Welcome to another episode of Signal Fire Radio, a show about ambitious leadership for ambitious leaders. Our guest today is Lindsay Shiro, Director of People with the Honor Foundation. We're going to talk about making a change for the better in your community. Don't go anywhere. We've got a great episode lined up for you here. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Signal Fire Radio, a show about ambitious leadership for ambitious leaders, where each and every day we set out to conquer the villain of self-doubt by having encouraging conversations designed to feed the mind, strengthen the body, enrich your soul, and grow your tribe. I am your host, Rob Renz, Marine Corps veteran, entrepreneur, and small business owner. The man to my right, the man with all the great hand movements at just the right time, is Matt the Narwhal from NorCal, my lot. How are you, bud? It's Friday. Friday. And I ju- 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 just got paid. He did all four backup voices. Did you? <laughs> there were four of them, right? Yeah. Because was... Justin Timberlake's obviously the lead singer. Yeah. JT is the lead singer of NSYNC. Um, did you really get paid today, Matt? Was today payday for you, the dub? No. No, no the, last, the last work day of every month is when I get paid. But you only get paid one, one day a month? Yeah. What? One lump sum, man. How does a family live like that? How do you budget? Well, we we really we just go boozy for a week and then we go <laughs> flaccid for three and a half. <laughs> Honey, we're eating ramen for three straight weeks. Yep. But that last week we're getting all steak, baby. And that other silky, silky, silky smooth voice that you hear, the man with the golden pipes, the muscle hamster, the man with the biggest quads in the whole wide world. And who does wear a large T-shirt? I'm laying it on thick for you, buddy. Thank you, Evan Anderson. How are you? I'm good. I, don't, I have the largest quads in the room, maybe, but hands down, nobody's probably even, in the building. Yeah, I don't think that there's anybody in the merch challenging you for no. quad dominance. For quad dominance. <laughs> uh, how did you get those quads to be so big? Squats. Squats. Yeah, that's a it, fun way to say it. Yeah, yeah. As my friend Dave Kennedy would say, just squats. <laughs> Why would he say it like that? That's just how we say it. Where's he from? He is from Texas. Okay. Oh, so he's just being goofy. Yeah. Squats. Yeah, he's from East Texas. Let's do squats. What are you up to now? Because so many people, so many people responded to the post that we put up of you deadlifting. Oh. Give the people your splits right now because I know that they follow along at home. I couldn't tell you. Yes, my you bench, can. My bench has gone down. Yeah, your, well, he had four full plates at both end of that he barbell. He did. They that were, was, they were well, the I was, I was upset because was, it was supposed to be for five and I only got four that day. Four or five for four, so. Oh man, if yeah, you if you know. you know strive for perfection, you'll reach excellence on the way. So I suppose yeah. one one day I'll hit mediocrity. Is your is your little workout book here in your bag in the back? No, is I that keep, where you keep your? No, I keep that in my gym bag. Do you? My little workout. Yeah, you know I you do. got a phone for that with apps. No, can, I like to write things down because I my phone is pretty much just for playing music. So in you're the gym. one of the no, the notebook carriers. Yeah, well, because it's just very, it's very distracting. Um, so it's distracting when you I, have people with notebooks in the gym. Why is that distracting to you? Just like, why is what I'm doing distracting to you? Because I can see it. Why are you looking at me? Why are you working out? Are <laughs> what you are you looking of my at, quads? Swan? <laughs> no, Stop I just looking at me, Swan. Yeah, I just I, I think that it's ineffective when 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 I have to like keep keep opening my phone and going in and logging the stuff. Which I, now, I write my workout down and then all I do is just cross off the set so I know that. I now did. you are a very ritualistic dude. I don't yeah. mean like you do seances, but the the way that you. Every day, 
is about a ritual or every yeah. activity within every day Process is about a ritual, oriented. right? Sure. Is, the note, is the notebook a part of that? Yes, and that's also how I sort of um, plan out my week's workouts on, on Sunday night or Monday morning. I'll write out, write out my, my three workouts for that week and kind yeah. of get an idea of what it's going to feel like to put hundreds of pounds on my back or on the floor and try to pick it up. Really quick, before we introduce our guest for real and we let her talk on the show too, um, I just said the word The Notebook. Did you guys like the movie The Notebook? Obviously. Yeah. Matt? Dude, I pushed off and fought watching that movie for probably six or seven years. And then when I finally saw it, <laughs> dude, I actually really enjoyed yeah, the movie. You didn't realize that the guy was like a war hero yeah. and like it's actually a really good story. And it was literally filmed like, 12 miles that way. Here in Wilmington, right? Yeah. In, in Brunswick it? County? Yeah. Oh, that's why they, that's why they yeah. say film, Nicola, all, film built Wilmington. Wilmington. Like Wilmington. all Nicholas Sparks or a lot of his movies have been filmed here. No kidding. So You're, big, you're a big fan of Nicholas Sparks' works, work in general, aren't you, Matt? I am. Like all of his books. I watched, uh, the notebook. I watched The Notebook for the first time in country in 08, and I was the same way. I pushed yeah. it off, pushed it off, and my can mate was like, Renz, you got to watch The Notebook. You'll love your, it. Your what? My can mate. We had a can. Can. Yeah. That's what you call the toilet. No, dude. You know the cans? You remember can. cans? Can. No. What are you talking about? Like the, the, the metal living structure that you. I lived in a. I in know. A, in a. <laughs> I lived it in a three foot trailer. Look, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was bougie in 08, man. We were, we were on TQ. We were living I good. I was there in 09 living on a checkpoint. No, you did. In a, in a. Yeah. In a 53 foot trailer <laughs> with three high bunk beds. In the trenches taking grenades. I knew what everybody's We later moved like. to the Swah Huts, but I watched The Notebook and I was in love with that movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fantastic. With Rachel movie. McAdams? Or with Rachel with McAdams. Yep. I yeah, well, a, with Rachel McAdams. I was, a co- I was a cop in 09, by the way. Another great movie from that era was P.S. I Love You. Did that totally go over your head? Did you know? <laughs> that you were a cop in 09? Yeah, how much older you are than me? Yeah. Yeah. P.S. I Love You, also good. Good movie. Heart wrenching. Not a huge fan of Hillary Swank in general, though, but she was really good at that I'm not movie. a big fan of Gerard Butler in general. What? Either. No. Hey, but, on, dude. but he's super good in that movie. All right. We're going to ask Lindsay Shiro what she thinks about Gerard Butler. Lindsay, you have she the floor. G- she made a face when I Death said thumbs that. Thumbs up. Are you going to thumb up or thumb down? Oh, big thumbs up. Big thumbs up? Huge. Huge. Is it just the general manliness and the accent? Or what is it about Gerard? He's just so rugged. Yeah. You know, you got the beard, yep. you got the accent. I mean, he's a man. You know, you're right about that. But when he's clean shaven, I don't like him as much when he's clean shaven. Oh, what's the one with Jamie Foxx? Hard to watch with Jimmy Fox. With oh, Jamie the one Fox. where he's the... He's um, an inventor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he's locked up in the jail. Uh, um, something citizen. Yeah. Oh, gosh, dude. If only there was a $1,000 machine in front of me where I could Google it while yeah, you guys do filler stuff. Can we talk about something I can participate in? Yeah. So, so Lindsay, tell us a little bit about yourself while I Google things. Uh, hey guys, thanks for having me. By the way, um, I am currently the director of people for of the Honor Foundation. Beats of peeps. Yeah, I just direct people all day. You know, um, I was I mean, in the medical field before I got into the nonprofit sector, and I've been in the nonprofit sector for about eight years now. I live in Pinehurst, which is right outside of Fort Bragg, and fancy. Yeah, are you a member of the Country Club? <laughs> I am. Is country you music are? what you I love? Am, yeah. Can I come? Can I come golf on your member number? Absolutely, for free. Tell me the number. Don't tell me off the show because we don't want. <laughs> we, you just don't want. You just don't want any vagrant yeah, out there. Yeah, please, please yeah. protect my member. Charging, charging, uh, Michelob Ultras uh, to uh, five eight four two three. Oh, I'll be calling the Pinecone for sure. <laughs> Pinecone's a great spot. Oh, that's yeah. where it's at. Now you were telling us a very interesting story because you were medical. 
right? And then you decided to go nonprofit. Yes. So you made a very big transition yourself. Why, what was like, give us the reason why you decided to do that. And then we'll ask you about the journey. Sure. Yeah. I, um, the biggest reason I went into medical, my family is all medicine. My dad's a surgeon. So it was kind of the way ahead. Um, and after in 2014, my husband was shot in injured in Afghanistan. Um, about five or six of his team members were also injured and he lost his best friend. And so I saw how nonprofits, specifically military nonprofits came in and supported the family at home and what they did and how they helped. And so I kind of made it my mission in my mind, I was still helping people much like I did in the medical field. It was just a different aspect and a different proponent of it. So, okay. What was that transition like going from a nurse to a person who, what were you like an executive director? Like what was your first role with a nonprofit? So I started volunteering actually. So nursing, it was a big step because I was a pediatric nurse. And so I worked with babies and young kids. So to go from that to working with adult men in the military, kind of the same thing actually. 100%. But, you should see me with a cold. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I started out just volunteering, getting my feet wet and then not learning the business as it is a business and kind of where to step in different organizations that I volunteered with. And then I joined the Green Beret Foundation as one of their program managers. Do you remember the first couple that you volunteered with? I did. So it was the Green Beret Foundation, the American Red Cross uh, were big ones, as well as um, Special Forces Charitable Trust. I met with them as well. So my husband is active duty Green Beret. So I really kind of found my niche in the Special Forces community because that is what I knew and what I live so well. Niche or niche? I don't know. You say niche, and I think I you niche. said it right, but I've been saying niche this it's whole because time. because I say niche. And, and, and I've also seen the expression, niches make riches, and that makes more sense than <laughs> yeah, niches make niche. riches. <laughs> niches make riches. Yeah, dude, I say niche too, but I think it's actually niche. I don't know. I don't know. It either. sounds so much more eloquent if you say it, niche. That's exactly yeah. what it is, and I think you're you're absolutely raising the class level of this room because yeah. the three of us yeah, are all saying niches. Same, that's the same mentality that people had. say say root recon. That's not a thing. No reconnaissance, reconnaissance. No about Lejeune because people Lejeune. somewhere got all Lejeune, and it's like, no, that's not how we've ever said it. And all of a sudden, you know, in t- 2016, it became. That's how the colonel said it. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's like saying squats. Squats. That's bringing it full circle. So right now you're the director of peep. I'm going to keep saying director of peeps. Deets of peeps because we called Lindsay Cash and the veep of peeps the entire time that she was on. You're the director of the peep of the people for the, <laughs> <laughs> for the newly opened Fayetteville campus of the Honor Foundation. Is yes. that right? Well, yes. it just broke ground. It's not opened yet, right? It opens in the fall. Okay. Uh, September 1. But yes, I was brought on specifically because... As you all know, Fort Bragg is big in the Army soft community. So special Home of forces, special operations. Yeah, special forces is kind of the way there. And so because I come from a special forces background, that's why I'm leading the charge there. And are you having fun doing it? I am. It's a yeah. blast. How sure. long have you been with the Honor Foundation? Just recently, right? Uh, yeah, about almost six months. Okay. Okay. Who is your uh, favorite Honor Foundation coach? Are you a coach? It's yeah, Bill, it's Bill Kiefer. 100%. For sure. No, it's not Kiefer. Yes, it's it Rob. No it's way. Rob. See? It's Rob. I didn't even have to raise my I hand. I can tell you who it's not. Who is it? <laughs> but I won't say that on air. And who is your favorite Honor Foundation fellow? Not Evan Anderson. Not Evan Anderson. <laughs> that sucks. It's definitely Mary-Kate Saliva. Evan, uh, counted, Evan counted 23 podcast episodes towards his cups of coffee when he graduated of this last year. I did. Yeah. Did. And each of you guys 
for each of those episodes too. Well, really, yeah, that should have been. I mean, there's four other, three other people uh, outside of you. You could have counted those as three yeah, each. It's okay because all I got was a, a crummy Starbucks gift card. <laughs> I thought I was going to get a paddle. I want a paddle. I know it. Fun <laughs> fact though is Evan was actually the very first fellow I ever met. Really? Yeah. Tell the origin story. We met. Did you reach out to me? I, I did. Yeah, because yeah. I so I talked to Cup of coffee. I talked to Lindsay Ay Cashin, who uh, said, "Hey, there's another Lindsay who's going to be." the virtual director and eventually the director for Fort Bragg. So yeah, we, we had a, a in-person cup of coffee in Southern Pines, kind of talking about the way forward for what the Honor Foundation was going to be doing. Honestly, trying to figure out why it hadn't been a thing earlier, just due to the amount of transitioning soft personnel that come out of Fort Bragg every year. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, they call it the home of special operations because that's where, that's where all the AFSOFT guys are. That's where third special forces group that's where the the special warfare center schoolhouse is so a lot of guys retire out of there and then psyop and civil affairs are there as well so there's a lot of and then the unit guys obviously so there's a lot of a lot of uh soft guys transitioning from fort bragg you mean like you were you were wondering why thf fayetteville wasn't there already didn't have a bigger THF didn't have a bigger in, presence in yeah. in fayetteville at, at fort bragg yeah yeah well i think uh it, it brings up a good point something i want to chat with Lindsay about a little bit too because there's a million veteran nonprofits, literally a million was it like the, no so like a legit number there's like 46,000 okay, or something well, like that it's it's insane before I clear off this Gerard Butler movie it was law-abiding citizen and law then, I'm abiding google, citizen. then I'm gonna google how many veteran nonprofits there are but there's so many and we kind of trip over trip over each other sometimes um, there's a lot of overlaps um, but I don't see <clears throat> a lot of like sharing of best practices amongst the nonprofits, like how can we, in your opinion, you know, how can we sort of consolidate the work of them all? And you probably can't because each individual one, you know, serves a particular purpose, but it just seems to be so many redundancies in the veteran nonprofit space. Like for somebody from the outside looking in and then getting involved in it, like what's your take on that? I mean, I think fundamentally think of why nonprofits exist. They're there to help people. Um, and so I think, you know, someone sees a small gap in that and they develop a nonprofit to fill that gap. And so I think, you know, as you, there are a ton, I mean, obviously a lot of transition, a lot of ones for the special forces community, the Marine Raider community, the unit air force. Um, but each of them does do something different. And so you work together as fundamentally helping the veteran and active duty community and yet being respectful and mindful of what organizations are doing differently than you? Where, you know, are their donations and their dollars going? What is their charter? Every nonprofit has a charter where they have actual bylaws. What can they support? What is What are they spending their money on? Things of that nature. And so I think, you know, being respectful of that and yet also coming together, realizing that you are all doing something for the greater good of the veteran community. 45,000 veteran nonprofits yeah. who are on the money. Yeah, it's insane. Did you Google it recently? No, that's just uh, as I've gone through my transition, it's like a known, a known fact. And exactly what what we were just talking about is like who who do I align with? Yeah, who do I pick? Who do I go to to find resume writing resources? Who do I file my VA claim with? You know, because there's so many that that claim to do things, and then there's the really well known ones, but then those can get very political. So it's uh, yeah, it's hard 
trying to figure out who to who to yeah, get your wagon I almost, to. I almost I think about this. You know, it kind of keeps me up at night, um, especially with working really hard to get suiting warriors more footing, um, and then definitely like I, I think you know connecting with all the people at the Honor Foundation who I think do a great job of bringing together local community and other nonprofits to kind of supplement and support their mission. Um, I just feel like there's too many and there's so many redundancies. We kind of, if we narrowed our focus um, and because I think at the end of the day, the end user doesn't really know where to go mm -hmm. and they might go to the wrong place and then get completely disenfranchised by it and be like, oh, well, okay, I guess there is nobody to help me. So anyways, that's just Rob thoughts for the day. But no, I, I totally under, and I agree with Evan that it does get very political. And I think that if you are generally for the greater good, for instance, the Honor Foundation does a lot of transition support. Mm -hmm. One thing we don't touch on, VA. VA claims, yeah. your eligibility, your disability, things of that nature. So fellows come to me and if there are special forces, I know the Green Beret Foundation has a huge VA proponent. Mm -hmm. I'm going to you know send them there to get that VA support. So it's kind of having in your back pocket other organizations that are going to fill in the holes of your own organizations and referring that way. Fantastic. All right, we're going to take a real quick break here. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to talk more with our guest, Lindsay Shiro. Welcome back to Signal Fire Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Evan looked me dead in the eyeballs as we were coming back from that break and said, don't play nothing whack. Did you know that this this song has one of the best insults of all time in it? No. One of the low-key best insults of all time. He says, you know, you're semi-good looking. Really? Killer. That hurts. Killer. Uh, that must have been... He must have been from the streets of Belmont, Massachusetts <laughs> to come up with something so sharp. So... Masshole-ish. Mass yeah. I think Holy. we could say that. I think so. I don't think I need to timestamp that for an edit. Negative. TK will let us know before we put it on the air. So our guest, Lindsay Shiro. Uh, oh, shoot. Shiro. Sorry. I even wrote it down. Look at this. Look at he how wrote I wrote it, it down. He wrote it with a Y. S-H-Y-R-O-W. Happens Sh all the time. Shiro. Like Spyro, the dragon. I said mm -hmm. that joke before we came on air, and I promised myself I wouldn't say it. You are, you are from Belmont, Massachusetts. I was actually born in Belmont. Yeah. At home. I wonder how I would have known that. Mm -hmm. If only I wasn't looking at your Honor Foundation bio oh, right now. Okay, there we go. <laughs> oh, I thought Made you meant because her dad was a physician. Hey, uh, I don't know if her bio picture is still the same, but fun fact about Lindsay. It's the power pose. She took that in her bathroom. Did you that really? That is not a professional yeah. headshot. That is her cell phone. The lighting's great. I know right? it. Yeah. The background. It was a great sunny day. Dude, you must be getting ready in that mirror like every day with that natural lighting. Be like, yep. I'm ready to go. Looking like a queen. Looking like, queen. yes, queen. <laughs> yes. All right. So you've been working in the nonprofit space for a little while. Yep. Do you have fun doing that? I do. What, I are, what are some of the um, like challenges of being in a nonprofit? Like what are the daily frustrations and headaches? I would say that there's never an off time. Um, you don't really have set hours. You work with so many individuals that. You know, people are calling, needing something, which is great because it, A, makes you feel like you're substantially giving back to a community. Um, but there are tough points. You know, I have three kids trying to juggle kids and being a parent and, you know, working as much as I do. Um, but it's ultimately very rewarding. And that's where I kind of find that the balance of working long hours and always being available and having something so rewarding. 
How do you balance that as a, as a working mom, like that work-life balance between the two to make sure one's not taking over the other? I have off times. I'll shut my phone off on the weekend. If you, if I get an email or a phone call at 4.45 on Friday, I'm not answering it until Friday. 4.45 p.m. or a.m.? P.m. Oof. Yeah. yeah. I'm not answering it until Monday morning. Like my weekends, my time with my kids, doing stuff with them. Um, I'm always trying to make it to, you know, baseball practice, soccer practice, being there for them in the afternoon, things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. I like that too. I've gotten more and more into the habit of putting my phone on airplane mode at like 6 p.m. Because I'll just go nonstop. Yeah. Sure. And then I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I start texting these guys. And poor Matt, he gets so aggro when there's like, he turns his phone on for the first time <clears throat> just after 5.30, right around 6 a.m. Right, Matt? 5.30. Five. And it's, it's always on. I just have it on uh, silent. And then you get 10, 20, 30 messages, bing, 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 no, all in a row. I'm very proud of you guys. You guys have been getting a lot better. I've been yeah. trying. Dude, I've been intentional about it. I didn't yeah. want to mess around with it anymore. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, all right, so you turn your, your, you turn your phone off, turn the computer off, all that stuff. Um, I'm reading here on your bio because I think, I think the core values of the Honor Foundation are pretty cool. And uh, in your bio, it says, what's your favorite THF value and why? You put fierce empathy. I did. Is that, do you think that is because of your nursing background, your family's medical background? Like what is fierce empathy and what does that mean to you? I think especially within the special ops community, it's a community you only under really understand unless you've been in it mm -hmm. and, you know, gone through deployment off tempos and lost, you know, friends and seen marriages fall apart and see the really rough side to this war and being in the military and everything. And so I think having that empathetic nature to my job and the soft community as a whole is something that means a lot to me. So how did you, how did you get to that? Like, I mean, obviously there's a lot of stories. You shared a few of them um, going through deployments, having your friends or your husband's friends get injured, your husband get injured. Um, <clears throat> Uh, you know, did that play a big role in taking you from being a medical profession professional to jumping into veteran nonprofits? Yes. So it was a normal Tuesday afternoon. I was traveling home from Thanksgiving on a plane and I hadn't heard from my husband all day. And I knew that was kind of out of the ordinary. I didn't really kind of knew something was wrong. Um, and I stepped off the plane and I got a phone call. From him, and the first thing he said to me was, "You need to know I'm alive." And I said, "What?" And he said, "You need to know I'm alive. Listen to the words of my voice. I am alive." And I said, "Okay." And so then he went and talked about, you know, we lost our teammate, and then other guys on his team were injured. He goes, "I'm in the hospital right now in Afghanistan. I was injured." And I said, "What?" And he goes, "I was shot." And I said, what do you mean you were shot? And I sat down. I was walking across a crosswalk when he said the words, I am shot. And I sat down in the middle of the crosswalk. It was like the fifth line in, traffic going. I just sat. I was frozen. I couldn't move. Um, a friend of mine who had picked me up physically got me up from that crosswalk. And I walked across to the parking lot and sat down on the side and just cried. And was in that parking lot for three and a half hours, calling family, doing everything, um, and so that was the, that was the shift. You know, I married him, realized what this life was about. My dad was in the Navy. He did his medical residency in the Navy. So I kind of like, I had that military pride. I knew what being a military family was. 
But that was the first instance of me ever thinking this could happen to me. I could lose him. You know, this is very real. And I kind of lived in that bubble, that untouchable bubble of, yeah, you know, this was his second deployment to Afghanistan. So I was kind of well-versed in what to expect and things. But this was the very first time where I realized, you know, this is real. And he could not come home. So Was that the catalyst moment where you're like, I'm not doing medicine anymore? For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. How, how quickly did it all happen after that for you? So it was in the... Days leading up, uh, following that day, we went over to the wife of the guy that was uh, KIA, who was my husband's best friend. And I remember sitting at her kitchen table. There was a bunch of teen wives there. She was very stoic sitting at the end there. And everyone was coming in, the commander, the chaplains, um, the team leader, everyone. It was just an endless, you know, rotundra circle of people entering her home. And I saw right then kind of I remember looking across the kitchen table and seeing her face and how stoic she was and calm. She was very quiet. Um, but that was the first shift of me having a, you know, a firsthand experience of someone who had been killed at the hands of this war. Um, and so that was a big turning point for me. And then it was immediately stepping into, OK, how can we support her? What does she need? You know, she had dogs. We arranged dogs. They stayed at my house. You know, seeing all the wives come together and seeing us all kind of banned in this trauma that we all just experienced. And as much as the guys essentially were bonding over there in Afghanistan, the wives were doing the same thing back home. And how we kind of picked each other up and went through it and experienced it all together was the shift of, okay, you know, there's a support element here. I can help. I can do something. I have this experience. I went through this. I can be an advocate and a voice for other families going through this. How do I start that? And that's when I started my journey in it. And then that's when you went and started volunteering with the Green Brave Foundation? Yes. So I contacted them. I knew they had a spouse proponent called the Steel Mags. And so my biggest focus was on spouses um, because, you know, Everything that we were going through over here, my husband decided to stay in country. Um, they were going to send him to Germany and then home. And he said, absolutely not. I'm not leaving my team. I'm going to recover here. And so he stayed there. And so I kind of started volunteering for them about what can we do for the spouses and how do they, you know, how are they supported? What's behind them? What elements are there? What camaraderie can we build while these guys are off? here back at home. And so I started kind of volunteering. I started the chapter of spouses down at seventh group in Florida um, and built that up. And then when we came to Fort Bragg, I took it over at the Fort Bragg uh, group. And then they brought me on as staff shortly thereafter. I, th I think it's fair. We can all reasonably say that steel mags is the coolest <laughs> women's auxiliary name. Yeah. 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 Pretty legit. It's, it's pretty, yeah. Pretty dope pretty legit. It's pretty legit. They have, I'm going to, I'm going to Google, do they have like a cool logo or yeah. something? It is yeah. cool. Could you yeah. get it tattooed? No, no, I <laughs> didn't get it. I didn't go that far. It's, no. not Brad, it's not Brad Pitt with his like amazing abs in that one scene. What scene? Of Steel Magnolia? Yeah. No, I don't know the scene. Uh, I never watched the movie. It was like the ab scene. We've been talking like, about a lot of rom, that's not a rom-com. Is Steel Magnolia a rom-com? It's yeah, a little yeah. bit, yeah. What yeah. about the notebook and PS I love you? Oh, Yeah. No, those, not are, those, those are, are chick just, flicks. Those are chick flicks. Chick flicks. Is that those an actual category? That's movie, a video so. category, though. Chick flicks. Absolutely. I would, I would say okay, that. Yes, well, I love I like is a rom com, but Notebook is just a straight romance. I like yeah, it romance, though. Yeah. I, I mean, if that makes me a chick, yeah. then I'm fine with it. Yeah. One of the things that we talk 
obviously a lot about. You see how I snatched that away? Yeah, from I was going to say I googled steel mags, and it's just a bunch of AK forty seven magazines. Yeah. So thank you for taking One over. One of the here. things that we talk about a lot is uh, obviously the transition stuff, right? So your husband went through a pretty significant transition, um, being injured in combat, and and now that you have helped people through the transition process through Green Beret Foundation, whether it's through VA claim stuff or assessing you know their needs for additional programs. And now that you're in the Honor Foundation, which is solely focused on transition, what are some of the things that you're noticing people are falling short on, whether it's employment stuff, whether it's VA claim stuff? What, what are some of the areas where you think people need the most work in your experience from your eight plus years of dealing with that? So actually, ironically, my, so my husband thought he could go back and kind of join third group, go back. And he started, he taught for a while and started to go back and he realized that he couldn't. So the mental aspect was too heavy. Um, and he was diagnosed with TBIs and PTSD. And I really think we're falling short mentally mm -hmm. and getting these guys that have dedicated so much of their time to the mental, you know, caliber that they need to be at. We're essentially saying, okay, we trained you to be this individual in the military. Now your time is done. And now you have to go figure out how to be a civilian without any kind of support in that. And again, with spouses, a lot falls on it back home. And they're the ones kind of picking up the pieces, helping them transition mentally, remembering things, validating things. You know, you have TBI, you have um, like memory and all those things. And so... I think the biggest ball that we're dropping is how to take this soldier or Marine or whomever who we spent millions of dollars training to be the best of the best. And then how do we take care of them afterwards? Do you think it's going to take another group of wives starting a nonprofit or going before Congress and saying, hey, this is an issue that we're dealing with head on before any change happens? I mean, I think a lot of change and, you know, headway is being made right now. I think it's something that people are having a focus on because as more guys transition, it's not so much the 20 year mark. Now, a lot of guys are getting out around 10. Mm -hmm. And so they're seeing this mentally heavy proponent about transition. So I think, but at the same time, I think a lot of work needs to be done for sure. Yeah. Is there something that we miss the boat on? Like, you know, worse than preparing military spouses for a wartime generation, you know, of, of men and women coming home. Like, think, think about, I mean, like, my mom, you guys have both been my mom. Woman's a saint. She dealt with my dad for 30 years in the military. Um, and she was and is the backbone of our family. Like, carried us, despite all my dad's stuff and all the crazy things my sister and I did and the deployments and the year-long TAD trips to Okinawa or wherever the heck he was. And yet... It, it to me and Lindsay, maybe you can you know coach me on this a little bit. To me, it doesn't feel like they're uh, you know like family readiness and all that stuff. They try, but they're still coming at it from a military perspective. So they're in the military. Those programs are all designed for the service, right? Not exactly. The spouse, what? So that's, yeah. What? That's a, where it, right. And then what happens? What happens after that? You know, eventually you're going to get out, and and you've taken an oath to each other. You've got 20, 30 years after service. And the person that you married 10 years ago isn't the same person after military service. How do we deal with that? Like, how do, how do we train spouses, get them ready for that kind of commitment? Because um, I know my wife does way more than she, she has to or is supposed to um, and does it all with a smile. So there's got to be a, a void there that needs to be filled somehow. 
I mean, honestly, it's honesty. I, I will tell you tenfold that this war and, you know, my husband deploying and getting injured destroyed our marriage. And so I think at Fort Bragg, we actually started through the Steel Mags and the Green Beret Foundation. A, oh, it's a, we called it an ODA Q&A. And so we took spouses whose husbands were graduating the Q course and told them point blank, this is what's going to happen. This is what happens when your husband has PTSD. This is why the divorce rate among special forces families is 90%. This is what happens when your husband has a TBI. This is how to reintegrate, when you deploy, what happens if he gets killed in action, you know? And so we were very honest. And the response to that was incredible because everyone is very good at sugarcoating the military mm -hmm. and sugarcoating the way. Especially for spouses. Especially for spouses. And so it really took that, you know, honesty and that push to say like, okay, no holds bar, we're gonna give this to you straight. And it's gonna be hard and it's not gonna be easy, but you're tough and you can do it and you're gonna figure it out. And when you are on the other side of it and you're like, oh my God, how did I do that? You're gonna look at yourself in a whole new light too, so. Uh, can I ask a question? Non-scientific question. To, Absolutely. Okay. You're a nurse. Yeah. Trained to be a nurse, RN. You're doing different things now. Matt's wife's a nurse. My wife was an RN, now an NP. Um, is there, <laughs> is there a attraction between military men and women and nurses? I will say that we are, nurses love adrenaline. Yeah, I, Evan has a half-naked nurse tattooed on his left so bicep. He's so classy. So classy. He is white trash fancy, Lindsay, <laughs> so let me tell classy, you. classy, Evan. Um, but no, I mean, I loved nursing because of the adrenaline. Because I was always going, I loved being busy, being on my feet. You never know what's coming. You never know what's next. And I feel like a lot of that's in the military. I mean, 90% of military join the military for the adrenaline. Right. And, you know, for the testosterone and all that, that hoorah man stuff yeah, that goes wrong with that. One at the same yeah. time, you know, that's how we are at work. But we we want someone to take care of us too. And like, that's what nurses do. Is that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm yeah, getting at. Does I really that think pairing, that's what it is. is that pairing? Cause I know so many, I'm like our whole circle is wife, nurse, husband, military, like our entire circle. So I don't know if I just seeing my own reality or if it's bigger than that. Cause I think I have a point to it make. It could be Bader Meinhof <laughs> phenomenon. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you buy a Volkswagen Jetta and then all you see on the all road is Volkswagen Jettas. Jettas. All yeah. I see is hooties everywhere. That always creeps me out. Um, but no, I definitely agree with you. I think it does. I think it's twofold of the adrenaline and kind of matching that way and then the taking care because that's, you know, why nurses become nurses because well, they want to take care of people. Yeah, I guess the reason that I'm, I'm like maybe stumbling on this observation or something is that there's, there's certain spouses um, who are professionally cut out to deal with post-war military members. Mm -hmm. My wife is one, Matt's wife is one, Lindsay, you're one. Um, Monica is obviously one, because yeah. she does the same she thing that you do. A lot of, and a does lot it of better than you. Yeah. I don't do, yeah. that's very nice. Yeah, exactly, but there's a whole segment of, of you know, men and women that are spouses that don't have the professional, uh, I guess, training or, or a profession that's as intense um, as being in the military. Um, so how do, how do like the, the spouses that kind of get it share what they know to be true with the ones that just don't have, I'm trying not to, to beat around the bush, but they just don't have, like, I think nurses are the strongest people in the entire world. 
nurses are like the freaking backbone of our society. And my mom was a nurse. My sister was a nurse. My wife is a nurse. Like everybody I know is nurses. Yeah. You're biased. Exactly. I'm very biased, no, I but I, I'm biased because of anecdotal evidence that I've seen in my life that nurses are like the toughest men and women that I know. And with pairing them with military spouses, it just seems like that goes better. You talked about a 90% divorce rate. Sure. I'm, I'm sure there's pairings like that, medical and military pairings, but but how do we bring that number down? Because that, that seems like a really bad statistic. I've noticed that there's, generally speaking, two types of military spouses. You have the ones that are gung-ho and involved and want to be you know, in the thick of it and all about the military life and advocate and do everything. And then you have the ones that are quiet and just, this is just their life. And they live it and they're happy and they go about their way of life. And so it's meshing those two and making the ones that are more outgoing and extroverted to make sure we're not forgetting the ones that are quiet and being able to advocate them for them as well as we're advocating for everybody else. Matt, what was Sarah like as a, as a milspo? And I cannot stand that. Term. Yeah, please don't say that. I hate that I said please it. Please don't say that. Evan, don't use the hashtag milspo on this episode. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to cut this out as a clip. Just you saying milspo. Milspo. Uh, I mean, we didn't have, we did Ryan wasn't born yet. So, um, but she, she was a nurse when you were so in, So she right? had to deal yeah. with just yeah. you all the time? Yeah. That must have been nice. <laughs> oh, but but, but But on Lindsay's, Lindsay's observation of, of really two different types of military spouses, was she, like, all in? Was she going, you know, to all the unit no. barbecues and stuff like that? Or was no. she more the quiet type? Yeah. I mean, more of the head to the grinder, I'm a nurse, I'm, I'm working yeah. full time. I have time to deal with this. Yeah, yeah. And if I recall, Lindsay Cashin was like that. Yeah, I think she yeah. was. She had really. Oh, she separated herself. Yeah, she would deliberately yeah. divorce her mindset, saying, "No, that's where my husband works, and this yeah. is our life here, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we'll keep it that way." There's. It's going to be different for everyone, right? Yeah. Like every spouse is going to be a little bit different about it. But I, I think to Lindsay's point, like give information. Like this is how we see it from those of us who have been there, and you'll probably fall into a couple of these camps. And if you're more like this, great. Here's how you can be a support system. And if you're more like this, fantastic. Here's how you can get involved. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. We're going to take a real quick break. Do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. More with Lindsay Shiro from Thank the you. Director of Peoples from the Honor Foundation. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our final segment of Signify Radio. As we were on the break, um, Matt and I were trying to make plans with our wives to grab dinner after this <clears throat> and my parents are in town and it's the Friday before Mother's Day and my mom was messing with me and she got me all heated so if I'm a little out of the zone on this segment gentlemen and lady I apologize I'm gonna try and get back in the zone and you know that she had complete confidence that this is exactly the effect it would have on you I know mom mom is a listener mom's a listener she uh, liked and subscribed and wrote a very nice five-star review that I wrote from her phone on behalf of us. Nicely um, done. And the only reason I did that is because the more five-star reviews we have, the more people might be able to hear this message and take away some great information from it. But, but yeah, she really, she really threw me there for a minute. Robbie's the realist. And that is why I played a little sabotage. Ooh. You see the way that I do that? The producery of all producery? All right. Yep. Well, we're having a fantastic conversation with our guest, Lindsay Shiro, not to be confused with Shiro, who was our guest earlier. 
Yeah, I don't that's know why that. you got that wrong. Yeah. That's why. It was Jean Shiro. That's why I got that wrong Jean last week. Jean Shiro. Jean Shiro. Well, and she's also a hero, so she's like a Shiro. A she Yeah. Oh, Shiro. that's almost as good as Harine. Remember Harine? <laughs> that's a throwback to an earlier episode. <laughs> she's a Harine. <laughs> she's a Harine. She's a Harine. All right, so Lindsay, tell us a little bit about the work that you're focused on right now with the Fayetteville campus of the Honor Foundation. Yeah, for sure. So we are growing, finally, a Fort Bragg uh, THF, the Honor Foundation campus for the Army and AFSOC communities. Um, so we have three campuses that are opening. We're going to be utilizing uh, Sandhills Community College and as well as having a campus on post, which is going to be huge for guys and gals that can't make it off in time for class who, or who live closer to Fayetteville and refuse to drive like Evan over yeah. here. Um, it's a long way to Southern Pines. Unless it's for to play golf. Say it, the guy that graduated mm. through the Surf City. I only had to drive to Surf City once. One Twice. time. Well, two Twice. times, right? I didn't have to go Because you came for the graduation to get yeah. your Starbucks well, gift I didn't card. Ha- I, did- <laughs> I didn't have to come to the initial, the orientation, but I did to see Dave and Lindsay. Yeah. But yeah, I did come to the graduation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good two hours. The food's better here than Southern Pines, too. <laughs> Whatever. Um... <laughs> So yeah, so that will kick off uh, in September. So we'll have uh, probably September and to November and then January to April. In person, yes? In person. Fantastic. Lead the uh, way on absolutely. our foundation. That's great. So what are you, what are you guys expecting then from, uh, you know, because Evan's class, what, you, you were one of two soldiers? Yeah. That uh, was you and JB? Me and JB were the only, what a the dude. only uh, army people. And you know what? Only- JB would like these shoes, by the way. He I'm gonna, would. I'm gonna, you know, did you know that JB has almost 600 pairs of shoes? Yeah. You know that JB was there last night? I believe it. You know he's who a, he's a traveler, though. I wasn't. We already we went over this. Me. I got no shame. No shame in my game, baby. He told me what that shoe collection was worth. I don't even want to know. Obscene. Actually, I do want to know. I won't, I won't share it on uh, the air. It's, yeah. it's his You know, it's his retirement fund. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Gonna gonna liquidate six hundred pairs of sneakers. Good lord! And that, I mean, some, most Caymans. of them have have uh, appreciated too. Yeah, yeah. So what what are you expecting, Lindsay, from having uh, a campus there at Fort Bragg in Fayetteville? So I'm just excited to get it for the special forces community. You have guys retiring out of SWIC as they come and do their teaching time and kind of finish out their last few years. USASOC, third group, the unit as well as the whole AFSOC community. So CCTs, PJs, JSOC. And so there's a huge element there at Fort Bragg with everyone coming in. I mean, you have Navy, Marines there occasionally for schools and, you know, end of retirement. So I think it's going to be huge. And last night we had our campus kickoff event. And so the reception was incredible. How'd that go? Yeah. Tell us about the reception. It was incredible. I mean, people are really excited. This is something that is genuinely needed at Fort Bragg for this community. You have the TAPS, you know, standard army, but that's about it. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, was, I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to I'll say one. it. Good Thank raspberry, you. buddy. I'll say it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you're living through that. it. We can um, all say it. Yeah. Good Lord. Having, yeah. having lived through it. Having survived the TAPS process, yeah. Was it a was it a well to do affair last night? What was the dress attire? What were the hors d'oeuvres? Um, it was business casual. We had some great stellar mac and cheese. Yeah. That, really hit the spot did it was it just mac and cheese or did it have a protein additive in it bacon yeah obviously. Oh, oh, kill it yeah. now evan you recoiled at business casual yeah i wouldn't have showed up no i'd have gone well, you didn't show up in so. my honor foundation hat 
Yeah. You weren't even there. I, if, if I would have gone, it wouldn't have been in business casual. Did you not go because it was business casual? I didn't know, but that's another reason I'm glad I didn't. You also, know, 150 people, that's a lot for little old Evan. Uh, so, I'm a homebody. Evan does good with uh, groups of four. The yeah. USGA was there. They brought the trophy. You could have. What? That. Yeah. What's the USGA? <sighs> oh, like the U.S. Golf like, Association? Yeah. United States Golf Association? I would have yeah. stole the trophy. Yeah. They the, brought ones the, trophy. That, the ones that run the U.S. Open? Yeah. yeah. Which has been played at Pinehurst number two? So yeah. we actually are partnering with them as we grow for Bragg. What? Yeah. Oh, that was your post Do tell. the other day. Do yeah. tell. So yeah, so we met with them as they're growing a footprint in Pinehurst for the USGA, their mm. golf house and headquarters. And we met with them as we're growing Fort Bragg and they loved us and are big, huge supporters of the military and veterans. And so we're going to partner with them as we grow Fort Bragg. So they brought the US Open trophy there last night. I got to hold it. I didn't drop it. Did you so kiss it? You got to kiss it. That's I a Stanley COVID. Cup. You only no, kiss no, you kiss. Cup. Yeah, well, look at the golfers, man. They kiss the thing all the time, especially if it's for a major. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, put me down right now. Sponsor for the Honor Foundation Golf Tournament at Pinehurst. Done. Done. Write a check. You did the work for it, so I want you to get all the credit. I appreciate that. Yeah, you got it. Lindsay, if uh, some folks are wanting to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do it? Um, you can email me. Lindsay, L-A-N-D-S-E-Y. E-Y. E-Y. Dot Shiro, S-C-H-I-R-O, at honor.org. I love it. Um, thank you so much for being here. I hope you come back again. Yeah, thanks so much for having yeah, me. We'll kick it down the road. Really we'll appreciate see, it. We'll see the way that the Fayetteville campus thing goes, and then when you start your own nonprofit for military spouses. I'll be back. You'll be back. All right, excellent. We actually have a, we actually have a couple minutes left, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I intentionally gave us a couple minutes on the back end. Because I wanted to specifically talk about something completely unrelated to military and to transition. And it was how I owned Evan this morning in a text message. And Evan, I want you to give a little bit of military history that you shared with us at the elevator. That doesn't happen very often. Very but, often. Um, no, almost never. So, so, so Lindsay Shiro spells her name with an E-Y, mm -hmm. right? Lindsay Cashin spells her name with an A-Y. So, and, so we've been referring to you as EY to alleviate confusion. Because if I said Lindsay, it'd be like, oh, you, you mean Lindsay or, or Shiro? I wasn't going to type that every time. So EY has become your moniker. So today, Rob posted or, or texted something about, here's our guest list, EY. And I was like, who's EY? And he was like, Lindsay, you plebeian, <laughs> or something to that nature. Um, and I said that I was hoisted by my own petard, which is a bit of military history. And if I'm not mistaken, it's it's um, like a French revolutionary thing. They would basically make make toe popper IEDs, um, but they were so volatile, volatile that they would often blow themselves up doing that. Mm. So that's your fun history fact today that may not be completely accurate. Brought it's, to you it's, by Evan. It's fairly close, though. It's fairly close. It actually came from Hamlet. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at. I'm looking at it right here. It says "hoist with his own ago. petard" is a phrase from a speech in Shakespeare's play Hamlet that has become proverbial. Yeah. The phrase's meaning is literally that a bomb maker is lifted off the ground by his own bomb and indicates an ironic reversal or poetic justice. Mm -hmm. So that you had it all right, minus the French thing. Yeah, I thought that. I thought it, I mean, well, petard seems pretty French to me. It. <laughs> I'm sure we can just translate that to Arabic and modernize it. Yeah, we could figure something out. But I was in stitches this morning. I was getting ready to get in the shower, and I looked at it on my phone, and I just started laughing. I was and in, then, I was and in then what was even funnier was that you texted, 
Hertz Donut. Hertz Donut. And I said with a side of Hawaiian punch. Ab- Absolutely. That is the most 90s joke we could have ever made. <laughs> ever. We exclusively appeal to like kids of the mid to late 80s and early 90s. I was yeah. going to say, Evan, were you born in the 90s? I was born in 1990. Thank 1990. you. 1990. Lindsay, how old are you? What year were you born? I'll be 34 next month. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I know I shouldn't ask, but... I felt like I felt like you were more Look, aligned with you, Matt if and I. If you if yeah, you sure. pooped your pants at any time during the eighties, you're not you're not an eighties baby. You didn't grow up during the eighties like Matt. He was like thirteen in the eighties. Right? <laughs> no, I was not. <laughs> no, but he was ten by the end of the <laughs> Yes, I am ten years older than you. I was ten when you were born. What were the eighties like, Matt? Were they rad? You could have been my dad. They were most beautiful. Did you no. at any did you at any <laughs> no. point did you at any point in your life say tubular? Like how, in a non ironic way. No, no. Oh, I say cowabunga all the time, dude. Mikey Tubular, was my though? dude. Yeah. And gnar. Yeah, nah. no. Shred the gnar. No, nah, that was like a, that must have been like a, that that wasn't a West Coast thing. Was Ace of Base your favorite band? I be saw honest. the sun. I'll be honest. I I, I liked some Ace of Base all back in the mid-90s. Yeah. Here's another baby. She's, She's gone tomorrow. <laughs> no, my favorite band growing up was kind of a, a battle between Oingo Boingo and Depeche Mode. Dude, no, no Kaja Gugu. I mean, I all I knew was the never-ending story <laughs> and shy. Moid, uh, one song. Mode was fantastic. Depeche Mode was really, really good. Yeah, they were. Reach out and touch faith. Dong, dong, yeah, dong. You feel like getting your gothic on. You yeah. want to get all emo. Yeah. Like delete. <laughs> all <laughs> right, that's Depeche Mode. We're, we're coming. We're coming to an end. Uh, Evie, anything you want to say in closing to our fantastic, fantastic group of listeners? No, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the awesome things that people like Lindsay Shiro are doing for our community of transitioning veterans, for the community of veterans at large, and uh, for the oft-forgotten community of the people who have to deal with all that crap, the spouses. I love it. Matthew? Yo. What you want to say to end it today? Um, as far as our listeners, you guys are awesome, and it's really motivating to get feedback and motivation from random people so i appreciate you guys yeah i love the messages like the messages that we get from y'all are absolutely fantastic um it's uh what gives us kind of the motivation to keep going um so please if most of them are from our moms most of them are from our moms (laughs) (laughs) i got my aunts texting me from orange county california like on matthew you're doing tuesday morning matt i listened to your episode it was so great i'm so proud of matt and shirley so proud of the great work that you're doing I'm not from Minnesota. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why I went with that. Uh, every ant has that episode, yeah. or, or has that uh, that accent. That's the ant accent. Yeah, yeah, that's the ant accent. Oh God, Evan, we're so proud of you. Oh, holy crap! Yeah, we love you. We love you. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here on this episode of Signal Fire Radio. Until next Monday, do yourself a favor. Go out and feed your mind, strengthen your body, enrich your spirit, and grow your tribe. And most importantly, do not forget to be a signal fire in your community. We will talk to you this time next week. Have a good one, y'all.